Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Luke 6, a much more down-to-earth text than mm-hmm. Matthew he came 5. Down, he came down from the mountain. This is not down. a Matthew up on the mountain, Jesus. This <laughs> is a right. down-to-earth. This is a much more down-to-earth. Le- no. Luke 6, 17 to 26. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him because they sure weren't going to see him if he's not up on the mountain anymore. Because nah. they got that. Cr- nope. They're all in this nope. flat surface now. Right. So. Not even in a no, boat. They, not even a boat. Not even in a boat. Yeah. You don't even have a natural poor, amphitheater. Poor acoustics. I don't. <laughs> yeah. This. What's Luke thinking? Oh. Uh, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And D- all those who were cool with unclean spirits were. <laughs> 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 you know what? I like my yeah, unclean I'm spirit. Good. I'll just keep I'm it. Good. I'm good. Uh, I'll keep it. <laughs> Writhing on the ground. <laughs> Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Well, welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And these are the readings for February the 24th, 2019. Uh, the seventh Sunday after Epiphany. So Epiphany, hope you got all your Epiphany cards out. It's almost over. Yeah. Um, which is hard long, to believe. It's a long season. It, it is. I'm going to take we, my Christmas lights down at the end of Epiphany. <laughs> Nothing like the pressure of the in, the Valentine's Day to get you to take down your Christmas lights. Yeah, that's usually um, the, the, the boundary. See, this is the problem. I mean, I, I think I might actually consider doing Christmas lights again living here. Mm-hmm. But my main objection when I lived where you currently reside is that, yeah, it might be 55 degrees in November when I want to put when the I Christmas put lights up. out. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. But then in January, when I want to take them down, you can't have exposed flesh outside for I, longer they're, than they're 30 seconds. They're very small windows, <laughs> and currently they are encased in ice. We had another ice storm, so... Oh, yeah. so yeah, I don't, uh, I have no temptation when I lived up there to do that. Yeah. And, uh, right. So, so anyway, our vortex, our <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of unusual this week, Genesis 45, uh, three through 11 and verse 15. I, I don't, I didn't figure out what was happening this week. Exactly. Um, there is sort of a shared theme in the old Testament passages, but I don't see it exactly maybe wait a minute i didn't i didn't look at the luke passage so well um the luke passage is about it's not what i thought it was Mm -hmm. uh psalm 37 1 to 11 and 39 to 40 because we sure don't want to read all 40 verses no that'd be long um first corinthians 15 35 to 38 and 42 to 50 is this the end of our first corinthians Mm -hmm. 15 run yeah we're gonna wrap this up and then this is longer uh, than a bbc series uh, we spent on (laughs) First Corinthians fifteen. Did you see that? Uh, I think it was on The Simpsons when uh, Homer fell in fell in love with the British comedy, the longest running British comedy ever. <laughs> oh, no. uh, shut my gob, shut your gob. <laughs> and he said, uh, said if you you know with a hundred dollar donation, we'll send you the entire run of the longest running British comedy ever. Shut your gob. All eight episodes <laughs> that you can <laughs> shut your gob. But uh, anyway, their final reading, Luke 6, uh, 27 to 38. Mm-hmm. So still in the, the, on yeah. the plane there. Yeah. So. Right. Jesus speaking in this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, message us, as some of you have done, um, some involved questions. Mike's going to have to ponder for a little <laughs> bit. Ponder he... them. 
responds back. And decide, can we answer this on the air or not? <laughs> Maybe so. Who no. can say? So, um, we have rainy nastiness here uh, and about 34 degrees. You've had ice storms there. Ice storms, um, which will make may continue. I don't know. Uh, and then, yeah, even more nastiness. So, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's unusual. So I don't, uh, I'm, I don't envy the weather. I'm happy to be here. Um, no, I know. My wife apologizes every time we talk. <laughs> yeah, well, she, okay, well, she really should, <laughs> yeah. as she is don't in... Hold, don't hold Julie personally responsible for that. Uh, she is in the, the land of realized eschatology, or... Whatever, yeah, yeah, although where... they are getting walloped with some interesting weather out there. So they, very wet, okay. wet year for California. Not good after a, a bad, you know, uh, wildfire season, so... Mm. What else is new? That seems I to be the pattern. <laughs> in, yeah, in California, that's the that's the one too. Unfortunately, we seem to have really fallen into a habit of news and weather. News on this podcast, and weather, right? yeah, mainly okay. weather. Um, you know, I forgot probably. to report that uh, my my dog's birthday was Groundhog Day. I don't oh, really? know if I, I don't. I think I forgot that because uh, well, there was a lot going you, on. You were bearing a lot of malice against yeah, your dog at the time. You know, so. he's a he's a a rescue dog. And we just arbitrarily decided. Well, his, he's ah. the, he's he's uh, he's born on Groundhog Day. We call him the Groundhog, and we usually get him a treat, you know, to eat. Mm-hmm. But he was on a restricted diet at that time. So. Rice and boiled chicken. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was getting a treat every meal at that point. Well, you so. know, uh, when we lived in Texas, we had a pet prairie dog. That's right. And Tommy, and and he died on Groundhog Day. Oh, get so. out of here! No, honest to goodness, he honestly oh, did liver failure. Goodness, uh, he, oh, uh, my goodness, he died on Groundhog Day. Uh, and then Cindy felt very guilty because uh, she was pregnant with Daniel at the time, and she was worried how well the groundhog would receive Daniel into the family. And so she was really, really worried. And then he died. Uh, and so then she felt guilty because. <laughs> <laughs> she was worried that he, you know, might have a problem, and then he died. So oh, well, I do miss. Goodness. I mean, was he was a great pet. He was. Uh, he wasn't like a just a gerbil. He had some personality. So. That is hilarious. As you said, as you said, you'd be surprised how many things aren't illegal in Texas. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of things like having a pet prairie dog. So. <laughs> Our favorite thing about Ami, well, now looking back, was when he decided it was time to be up in the morning, he would grab the door of his cage and then begin shaking it so it rattled like he was, I don't know, Al Pacino in whatever. What was the movie Al Pacino did that in? Uh, Ser- not Serpico. Um, uh, Attica? Attica, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get out of the cage. So. Oh, my goodness. Shut up, Ami. Go back to bed. Oh, man. Anyway. Yes. Pets, am I right? Am I right? Am I right? All right, I think that's we fooled around long enough, All right. right? Yeah. They don't know about the pre-show that we fooled around for oh, thirty minutes. Oh my goodness, <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of getting, a lot of news. Getting those distractions out of the way. That's for sure. All right, let's do Genesis. <laughs> and since the laser focus that you're noticing. <laughs> All right, uh, Genesis, uh, sorted uh, family stuff. <laughs> I'm, yes. a, I'm just guessing. No. As always. No. All right, so 45, 3 to 11, and 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So they dis- so dismayed were they at his presence. And Joseph worked it for all it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> this, is like a, this is like a younger brother's fantasy, really. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, mess with him. Then Joseph, or dream, if you will. <laughs> 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. <laughs> Remember? Let me spell it out jog, for you. <laughs> jog your memory here. And now do not be distressed. That's like, usually don't put those two together. Yeah. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and the ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. They finally could muster up the, the strength to talk at that point. Okay. Is this after the shenanigans with the uh, cup is, the cup in the grain? Yeah. yeah. He's okay. been messing with him for a couple of chapters now. Yeah. And uh, finally, um, he identifies himself. Uh, he he gets over. He breaks character. This is this is the oh, issue. Un- mm-hmm. Unlike you, uh, Joseph has a hard time maintaining right. he the was character. Like, I had to turn away and weep and stuff. Amateur. Yeah. And so uh, he sends everyone out of the room that's not related to him. Mm-hmm. And in an effort to keep it a secret, which, of course, it isn't a secret because he's so upset. They, the Egyptians hear him right. through the door uh, right. at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that, it's got to be great to be the brothers and think that the guy who works for Pharaoh, who's accused you falsely of a crime, but there's no way you can prove you're innocent, is about to kill you. And then you find out it's your brother <laughs> it's your who brother. you tried to kill, who now has the right to kill you. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, this isn't any better news. This is you know? a very bad day. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. The uh, the <laughs> change your pants and go tell my father. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, the 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 passage is fascinating because you do see Joseph has grown in this story because he was a little bit of a, a punk kid back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Pretty, yes, yes, he was pretty proud to lord over his brothers. Um, that you know what, but but here he's come to understand how God is working a little bit differently mm-hmm. and uh, he's understand his dream a little differently. And I think within it, you get a nice understanding of how uh, particularly in the, in the old Testament po- power is evaluated um, in a time when um, the people that the stories that we're telling are, are dealing with power dynamics and mm-hmm. it, it's always evaluated at how it's being used to take care of those who need it, who, who, who need protection, who need help, who need. So, mm-hmm. so if you are the King, it's not that you get to do whatever you want. It's that you're using kingship for Torah, that you're taking care of the least of these and, and, um, and right. the immigrant and the widow, et cetera. And so Joseph comes to understand his dream. It's like, yeah, you know what? You intended it for evil, but God worked it for good. Um, right. And, it is actually, I, I thought you bowing down before me was about how awesome I am, but you bowing down before me was about so I could save a remnant of the family mm-hmm. and, and provide hope for you. So so Joseph comes to understand that this power and position that he thought was because he was just awesome <laughs> yeah. is actually yeah. a point of service that he has to he has to do. So so on 
on some levels, I don't want to say it's a, it's not really a theodicy at all, but it is an example of how God is using these terrible things. And because I don't want to ever confuse, you know, God willing the evil with God using the, you know, redeeming the evil, right? Two very right. different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, but that God has redeemed this circumstance to provide for the family. I think is is significant. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he recognizes in this God's hand in this. He does. He so he had a dream yeah. about fat and sleek cows, yes, he and yeah, he did. And he went and told Pharaoh that well, seven he, he, fat and sleek well, cows were literally come up out. Of, <laughs> well, he, <laughs> out of he luckily networked in prison, you know, because that's that's important. Yeah, and oh uh, yeah, and he <laughs> he made those connections that got him to Pharaoh. Yes, where eventually. Eventually, he was able to interpret oh. that. Yeah, it turns out there's going to be these literal skinny cows. Literally, these there were these. Li- <laughs> Tim LaHaye you know, interprets Pharaoh's dreams. <laughs> I really don't think that uh, <laughs> referencing a a podcast from I don't know 18 months ago is going to speak teaching, to some I'm, of our new I'm listeners. I'm teaching Revelation, and I, I just use that illustration because <laughs> because it's so helpful to say. Okay, vision. Just every time it says vision, think dream, because you've all had mm-hmm. crazy dreams, and you know how those work, and they're very fluid, and they're not predicting the future, although they can be very specific and, and important and, and speak to your life in very focused ways, but they aren't literally true, you know? And, uh, and, and, and if you try to explain them, they, it's crazy, except for the fact that people, other people have had crazy dreams, too. So. <laughs> You know, we don't, most of us don't have visions, but we do have dreams and we know that they, they're, they're kooky and yet they can really speak to us. So I had a dream last night that I was in my grandfather's 1974 in Plymouth, Newport, trying to drive it on ice. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I assume that's a word of prophecy. Yeah. So. That, that will literally happen. <laughs> will. So if it's from God, is, it'll literally happen. This is funny. This is, I mean, you know, Having you um, teaching Revelation, well, this is going to come up every week now for this semester, isn't it? I mean, this whole semester, well, Revelation is going to find its way no, into well, our podcast. It, it could be. It could be. <laughs> we, we know how that happens. But I, lit- I literally brought this up last week intentionally. To I see. I have to remind them again and again that <laughs> what, a, what a vision is, you know. And, okay. And, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And how to read Revelation as a result. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. And if and if we and if we'd interpreted Pharaoh's dream the way he went to <laughs> Revelation, many people would die. <laughs> Egypt people in Egypt would die. Yes. yes. And you have a cartoon that illustrates this, I believe. Yes. And I have. Uh, yes. we have posted it before on oh. our oh, Facebook have page. We? Okay. Well, well, I believe. Maybe we'll take it. Scroll down. We can post it again, perhaps. <laughs> oh. I don't know, but it was some time ago. It's relevant every two years in my teaching cycle. So. <laughs> Well, this is um, this is obviously you know, the end of Genesis, the sort of happy ending. It is funny because the the book of Genesis does kind of end in a cliffhanger because Abraham has been promised a, a great nation and you know offspring and a great nation and land, and by the end of the book of Genesis, the great nation is seventy people, and uh-huh. they're not in the land; they're in Egypt, and yeah. the book just ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it really is. It's fascinating the way that in the Old Testament that, that stories are told, they often end in, with expectation. Mm-hmm. The end of Genesis, the end of Deuteronomy, the end of, of Second Chronicles, which would be the end of the writings. The, the end of the prophets is, is Malachi, which is with that sense of expectation mm-hmm. of the coming of Elijah. So it's always looking, it's always this cliffhanger in, uh, in the biblical narrative. And, yeah. and we have it coming here as well. So you come down here, which, which seems like a nice happy ending, but they're in a foreign land. And yeah, and um, become enslaved. So 
And they become enslaved, yes. But there's a lot Joseph's of them, though. clever idea. They've flourished. Yeah, Joseph introduces the idea of slavery to Pharaoh here at the end of Genesis, which kind of comes back to bite them when uh, you get to Exodus. Ah. Uh, um, yeah. Seemed like a good idea to Joseph. Oh, that's right. The famine. Yeah. That's right. And he has people keep bringing, and they say, well, what if you trade me your land in favor of our seed and food? And uh, so they end up giving in the, all the land <laughs> become slaves. God and, has provided to save life, and I'm going to leverage it to the help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, this is uh, like, this is a song that God gave me, copyright, trademark, such and such. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, it comes back to bite him. At, in I've Exodus, never course, really thought but, about that. I know you've mentioned that, but I thought, you know, to think yeah. about it in, in, as we're reading this and thinking about this is God's provision and then yeah. exploiting that in such yeah. a way <laughs> yeah. is amazing. It's a brilliant leadership and business model. Really. Mm, yes. Uh, How can we take worked, this into our churches? It worked very well for Joseph. Um, wow. I mean, there were implications later on, of course, but it's good business now. Yeah. That's, that's what matters. I'm always interested in... Um, how as you get into Genesis, the the narrative cycles get longer and longer, and the character you know there's not a lot of character development of you know there's no. there's a fair amount of Abraham, nothing about Isaac really, no, lots about Jacob, and then and then mm-hmm. one of his sons gets this this big this chunk of the text, huge novella, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's the what's the story I mean, third, there? Almost a third of Genesis is, is about Joseph. Is that what it is? That's yeah. pretty. I mean, it goes from thirty six all the way to fifty is oh. Joseph. So yeah, you would almost. And I don't know, I don't know how big Joseph is in the broader tradition, you know, extra biblical tradition. But you you would almost think he's mm-hmm. he's a, you know he's just a superstar. Well, it, he's you know he's representative of the Northern Kingdom. He's sort of the patron of uh-huh. that. Where where Judah, the other brother, mm-hmm. is important because he's in the line of David and he's the Southern Kingdom. Joseph is the tribes of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh are the two largest tribes of the Northern Kingdom. Mm. Um, the, the name Joseph is sometimes a stand in for Israel. Um, right. Joseph's son, Ephraim is, is used that as a, you know, stand in for Israel as well. Mm-hmm. So he's, I mean, it's Joseph and Judah yeah. as far as the stories are okay. concerned. I, I don't usually like to talk about Joseph as an ancestor, um, or, you know, patriarch as they used to say, uh, because, He's not the father of all of them, like Jacob or Isaac or Abraham is. Right. But on the other hand, they wouldn't have survived were he not in the position that he was in. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, it's it's hard to 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 miss that. He he is he is very significant in uh, in the tradition. Mm-hmm. Joseph is. Yeah. Um, probably with greater mentions, extra Genesis than than the others. Even mm-hmm. uh, he he finds his way quite a bit. And they settled in Northwest Indiana in Goshen. They, Goshen, right there. There's a <laughs> university, of course, they taught at. And, Sojourned uh, with the, the Mennonites. Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> Interesting. Yes, this is in uh, Lower Egypt, uh, <laughs> which is uh, Northern Egypt. Um, so it's downstream, uh, which makes downstream. it lower. Uh, yeah, yes, lower, yes. Down the Nile there. So the Delta area mm-hmm. is where they settle. And where would, would, where would the capital of Egypt have been? At this point, this point, Thebes. Thebes, so yeah. further south? About 400 miles south, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's quite a distance. Huh. Mm-hmm. The, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was Seti that moved it back into the north. His capital was in, in the northern Delta area, which is why Seti and Ramses 
are such a logical choice as pharaohs of the Exodus because you don't get the sense in the book of Exodus that Moses is making a 400-mile journey every time he goes from Pharaoh back to the Israelites. Right. You, you yeah. get the sense he's crossing the street, which is mm-hmm. what it would have been well, it, during the time of Seti and Ramses. And um, and that's the way it is in most of the movies, too. So That's true. That's that's absolutely the Mul- way it is. Multiple witnesses that that's verifying right. that. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, that would be a really good illustration for how to talk about the quality of witness as opposed to the number of witnesses. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about yeah. manuscript yeah. authority in the New Testament. And then in the so, Disney movie, we know. Right, exactly. Yeah. It was it was actually DreamWorks. But yes, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, the uh, the thing that I can't do in class anymore, since I don't make people lug that big Bible we make the them buy. The big red Bible around They them. don't turn to maps, you know. They've got the, all these devices, but they, there's no maps you can turn to. So That's true. Point things out. The book of maps that not, comes at the end of the Bible. Yeah, the book of maps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that I did much of that, but yeah. yeah, they don't really have a sense of space uh, talking about this location. That's true. Well, Joseph, are we going to we get more from Joseph or are we just dipping nope. in here? Oh, just okay. Dipping in that's it. Okay. That's it. Just, Hope you enjoyed it. Just visiting. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm sure it'll be, this will become clear. We probably won't even need to point out why this is included this week. We'll just... I, I don't plan to. Okay, yeah. No, you guys can uh, figure it out at home. Yes, <laughs> play the, obviously. Play the home game. That's right. Okay, then. How about a song? Sounds good. Yeah. 37, 1 to 11, and 39 to 40. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they... I don't like that translation, by the way, but go ahead. Okay. For they will soon <laughs> fade like the grass and wither lo- like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way. I don't like that translation either. Over those who carry out evil devices, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. Don't it, like that. It leads only to evil. Fret is not a strong verb. Not. No. Not as strong Unless as yours is. Playing guitar or something. <laughs> for the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in an abundant in abundant prosperity. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their refuge in time of trouble. The Lord rescues them. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So I said I didn't. The, the three do not frets here are, as you point out, they're just it's not strong enough. Um, mm-hmm. I think when we think about do not fret, it's we we probably would think, well, don't worry, is mm-hmm. probably the best way to think about it. But but the word here is, um, it's it's the reflexive stem of the word anger, uh, of of a word for anger. Uh-huh. So it's really don't anger yourself mm-hmm. um, because of the wicked. Um, don't let that provoke you. Yeah. Um, okay. Which I think is better than don't fret. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, 
when when I think about the wicked succeeding in the world, my reaction is not, oh, I'm really worried about that. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. that makes me angry. <laughs> that yeah. really does. Okay. Upset me. That is um, better. And and so yeah, don't don't anger yourself because of the wicked. Don't let it get to you. Don't let it provoke you. Fred Fred is like uh, I envision a southern debutante has to withdraw to the parlor because it's a <laughs> little the bit vapors. It's a little bit disturbing. <laughs> She's got the vapors. The vapors. Oh. Yeah. Yes. No, Go recline on the couch. Yeah. No. No. This is this is much stronger than that. Um, Psalm 37 is an acrostic, which you might miss because it's only 40 verses. Um, it's missing, uh, one of the letters it's missing it, sheen and it's, and it's English. It's also, you would also miss <laughs> yes. it because it is in English. That's an excellent <laughs> Lots point. Lots of ways you can miss that. Yeah. That's boy. Yeah. I missed the obvious. That's true. Oh. Oh. Um, but, uh, don't, so, so that, don't fret about it. That I won't, I won't anger myself. <laughs> the, um, the acrostic sense here is, is, a, it is very much wisdom. This, this is a, and I don't think we hear it as much in the first 11 verses, but it is very, uh, proverbial later on about, uh, what the wicked are like, you know, they plot against Mm -hmm. the righteous and the, but the righteous does this, but the Lord laughs at the way. I mean, it's very, it it sounds like Proverbs. Yeah, it Um, does. It really does. The, um, there are, it's funny because there are Psalm scholars who refuse to acknowledge, there are well-respected Psalm scholars who refuse to acknowledge that the the class wisdom Psalm actually exists. They don't believe that wisdom is a, is a genre of Psalm. They think that there are hmm. Psalms with wisdom elements to them, but you can't point to, in the way that you could point to a lament Psalm and say, it has these five elements, so it's a lament Psalm. There's nothing like that with wisdom. And so there, it, the, the hmm. argument, well, you see, you know one when you see one, I, I get that is a little weak as well, but on some level, you know one when you see one. I mean, it's a wisdom psalm. I mean, it's a psalm that that's, revolves that, around teaching. There, that's a, that kind of argument is in so many fields, you know? Uh, it's, it's true. And it's, are, is it's, it's the prescriptive descriptive thing. It's mm-hmm. like everyone, you could describe it and everyone sees it and we can make a list and, and it's quite right. identifiable, but... But was was there something that people would say there's a wisdom psalm back then? No, maybe not. But yeah. does it matter? They fun- yeah. functionally they were. It seems this to be working with them. Yeah. yeah, this is something that teaches mm-hmm. and uh, very familiar to Psalm one. I was. I, I mean, it's interesting that you have this so close with that sense of the the encouragement of taking yeah. delight because mm-hmm. he'll give you the desires mm-hmm. and because the wicked aren't going to stand. Um, it is interesting though because these first eleven verses full of imperatives. You know, don't anger yourself, trust, take delight, commit, mm-hmm. be still, uh, be patient, refrain from anger. I mean, lots of imperatives all through this. Um, and then you fi- I think you find out why. Who's the hothead they're addressing here? Yeah, right. But do you find out why? It's because the wicked plot against the righteous and they laugh at the, and the, and the wicked draw their sword and um, better to be a righteous person. And I mean, the Lord knows the ways of the blameless. And so I think you really do get that sense of you're going to have to hang on, hold fast, hang in there. We know the wicked are bad. We know God remembers the righteous. Um, and that's when you get to the end, the Lord helps them and rescues mm-hmm. them. I, I think this is a Psalm again, like Psalm one is a Psalm of encouragement, a Psalm of uh, trying to help people bear up in a time when the wicked continue to do well. Mm-hmm. And you look at the world and you see the wicked succeeding and, and, that's why the psalmist kind of pops in here and says, hey, oh. trust in the Lord, mm-hmm. take delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, trust in him to act. I mean, these are, this is an encouragement because 
of the reality that they see around them. Okay. Um, of the wicked doing well. This is a good halftime speech to, <laughs> to the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're, it is, it is. Yeah. They, the, the wicked are plotting against the righteous. Mm-hmm. They're gnashing their teeth at mm-hmm. them. Yeah. They draw their sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy hang in there. Yeah. The meek, you know, the meek will inherit the land. So, I mean, it is, it's very much a Psalm of encouragement. Uh, in that way, and some beautiful sayings in it, you know, that he'll make your vindications shine like the light and justice of your cause like the noonday. Yeah. Um, I think significant that those are future as opposed to that's, yeah. that's yeah. you know, commit your way. He'll, he will do these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so right now, hang in there. God won't forget you okay. yeah. eventually, mm-hmm. even though it feels like it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the wicked are succeeding. Yeah. No, no, hang in there. So, how about the phrase uh, "the meek"? Since this, this, since this is really quoted in the, one of the Beatitudes, uh, yeah, almost is the meek a good? Uh, is. is that a good translation? Um, no, afflicted, poor, or oppressed is the way I would have translated that word. Okay, on on me, it's a, it's a, it's a very common word. In fact, I'm, I'm surprised it's translated "meek" here. Usually, it's in Psalm. What Psalm is that? One hundred two. I think it's the opening. Um, no. Um, I think it's Psalm 103. David identifies himself as an oni, uh, an oppressed one, a weak one. Ah, um, uh, yes, yeah, a, yes. A, afflicted, mm-hmm. um, poor, beaten down, mm-hmm. someone in need of an advocate, I think, would be a good way to think of that person. So I don't think meek is okay. capturing that. Yeah, it's a little, little, that's a little meek, a little mild. That's a little, that is a little soft. That's yeah. a little... Boy, this is—I don't like the NRSV good with the psalm, do I? I really <laughs> well, seem to be troubled by this. The more, you, the more you care about it, the more if you if you've done it, you know, it is yeah. it is something to to uh, to have your the center of your expertise, and someone comes along. So there's a lot to take issue with, you know, if you yeah. if you care about it. What about the phrase "inherit the land"? The meek shall inherit the land. Is that just simply proverbial, or is that you have a richer? Um, well, when you think about when you think about that definition that we have here of meek, of uh, you know the poor, the afflicted, the then I mean that's significant because this is not that's not the powerful, you know mm-hmm. that's yep. that's the one who doesn't have the advocate, that's mm-hmm. the one who doesn't have the army, doesn't have the wealth, and yet that's the one who's being given, you know, being given the land, God, God's provision. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that's pretty that's pretty covenantal sort of. Oh, absolutely. Language inheriting the land. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's covenantal language and it's covenanted with individual I mean it's a covenant of grace, right? It's a covenant with individuals who have no advocate, who have no representative, who have no power. They are mm-hmm. the poor, the afflicted, the oppressed, and God is like they're the ones who are going to enjoy security. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are going to have the inheritance. Oh. That's that's you know, we don't think about that kind of reversal. No, I mean, no. We think about we think about covenant as privilege. We don't think about covenant as manifestation mm-hmm. of grace mm-hmm. as it should be. I think. Well, these are these are the kinds of things that Jesus says, and people say, "Well, that's not for now." That's mm-hmm. a Jesus is saying that some some traditions say this around the mount, so around the plain. These are Jesus setting the bar so ridiculously high that you need to repent and throw yourself at God's mercy. It's a, it's a, it's simply to bring you to grace. It's like, these are rules for communities to live by. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. The communities that know God and his character. And we'll, we'll get into this in, you know, I don't think this is why these are paired, but I will definitely get into this as we go further in uh, the Sermon on the Plain. That's very interesting. And of course, Jesus says the earth. So 
Oh, right. Well, <laughs> that's true. He does, yeah. which is different than the plant, than the land. Yeah. Well, not in Hebrew, though, right? Not in Hebrew. Not though. in Hebrew. No, it's the same yeah. word in yeah. Hebrew. Yeah. I'm glad you knew that. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know more than I say. I just always constantly second guessing myself. I'm not going to reveal that I actually, <laughs> I actually taught Hebrew for a semester. Oh, wow. In Berkeley. Yeah. It's, I was. Uh, you can I, lose it incredibly fast after you. It stop. doesn't take long. It doesn't yeah. take long. I uh, I actually taught Greek. Oh, I yeah. was the language guy when I okay. was at. Uh, they thought they could keep me out of trouble at my previous institution. They could hide <laughs> my dangerous and liberal ways. You know, believing that women can yeah. be ordained and that yeah. sort of thing. We'll just have you go off um, and talk about the original language of the, exactly. the scriptures. <laughs> exactly, because there's no way that's going to be liberal. Wow. And uh, people who that do that funny. don't don't trouble the church very much. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. So anyway, that's the idea. I taught Greek and, and loved it and, and uh, Hebrew. I taught uh -huh. both. And, uh, and yeah, I love, I love the languages. There's such, I think such I shared, color. shared my problem is, um, I always tested out of these classes. So I haven't really spent time in these. I have no idea how to teach these classes. I have no right. experience of sitting in a classroom and go, Oh, that's a good way to do that. Or that's a good way. Right. Or, or that's what, right. So when I do go over a paradigm, I go, not, we don't really do this, do we? Are we really going to sit here and do a paradigm out loud? Did you do no. that? Oh no. Okay. No. Good. I, I the um the best way I found to teach them was uh, sort of a I mean it's always a blend between inductive and deductive, but I found particularly Hebrew the um first the what is it called the first Hebrew primer. Mm -hmm. Um, it was by EKS publishing. They, they designed it to teach Hebrew to Jewish adults. It's a Jewish publication house oh, okay. and, um, and it is thoroughly inductive. Yeah. And, and so I would supplement a little bit with, you know, some of the classic terms and some classic paradigms just to help them know that this is not the way people normally talk about it, but, mm -hmm. but I loved it because it got them in the text so fast. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. they, they were reading the Hebrew text sooner than with that book than, uh, yeah. than any other grammar, which that is I've used. the and, only reason, the only motivation exactly. anyone has to be in that exactly. class, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I've always said, and I know that some of our colleagues have disagreed with this, but I, I have never tried to turn them into, you know, Bible translators. They were not going to go to, you know, to Wycliffe. No. I, I wanted them though to, to get a sense of the distance between themselves oh, yeah. and the text. And that, that for me with the English was the best, the best option. Yeah. So and be use the tools responsibly and and right. avoid these right. common pitfalls. Don't don't of be dangerous, you know. Thinking of it like a code or something. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. Uh. Don't like that. But um the but it getting back to Psalm one to Psalm thirty seven, it is interesting to that this is an acrostic which usually tries to give that sense of, you know, of of range. Every this is everything mm -hmm. from A to Z about yeah. how the, how you need to live mm -hmm. and I mean, it's so this proverbial psalm is also an acrostic, I think, is is significant and and artful. And, you mm -hmm. know, that's mm -hmm. again, I I love the the beauty of the art in these psalm compositions and, and all this, actually. But the way that they there is such aesthetic here that we so often neglect, you know, just the way we read it. I don't think we. Yeah. I don't think we appreciate it as much as we should, but anyway. That's, no, it's helpful to point that out because it, it says something. The form, mm -hmm. the form communicates something. Also, A to Z, that's God's name from Revelation, as you know. That's true. That's true. <laughs>
though though I don't believe Z standing in for Omega representing Z represented by here yeah. by Omega. Yeah. yeah. God doesn't talk many times in in Revelation, but he does call himself the Alpha and the Omega. So he just shows up to give his name. Unless that's Jesus talking, which some people <laughs> are unclear We're still about. on this, are we? We're still <laughs> on this. Two weeks, and we still can't get over what the Bibles are doing. So, Look, I let fretting go pretty quick, really. So, <laughs> Hey, you brought up A to Z. That's true. I did. All right. Well, no, you ready? I, I think that's interesting. I mean, when you talk about, I thought the meek inheriting the earth, I, I'm just always struck by how that's countercultural. Well, and, now I want to know. Hold on a second. Uh, I want to go ahead. You can talk. I guess I want no, shut up. No, because wanna... <laughs> people always make this like, well, the old Testament, you know, that God and that, yeah, that was things were different there. And, and then this sounds wonder, very much like Jesus, you know, I wonder what the Septuagint does in verse 11 mm. with meek. Uh-huh. Um, let's oh, find out okay. here. Uh, verse 11. Um, pray, uh, pray ice, uh, pyro alpha, eta, yoda, sigma. I wonder if that's the word is in that, the New Testament. Is that like the in pi- Matthew five? The pious, the preis. I don't. I'm not. I can't picture. I it. don't. I don't. Uh, you know, you have to see it. Oh. Um, okay. So talk again, and I'm going to go to the New Testament and see what Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. All right. So talk amongst myself. Talk amongst yourself. I'll give you a topic. Is a machine gun a robot? Um, is chili a stew or a soup? <laughs> someone told me, someone was talking, oh, I got a new one, a new uh, elevator uh, conversation. But uh, yeah, now explain why I did that real quick. I mean, because that's funny. Oh, yeah. I have this habit of uh, if I'm going to or leaving a class and I see another class unattended, <laughs> I will walk into the room and I say, is this professor? And then I pause and they usually fill in the name. It's like Smith. Right. Yes. Professor Smith. He wanted me to get you going with some group discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a handful of crazy topics. Like is uh, he wanted you to discuss, don't ask me why is a machine gun a robot or, and then you just leave. <laughs> and, then <Right>? I leave. <laughs> yeah. and then if I, pa- I pass, if I pass the professor on the way to the class, I go, I got him going with some, <laughs> With some gruff work. <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad you brought this up. I told someone this week that you did this, that, that this you would actually do this in the classroom or in elevators, oh, you know, when the el- elevator, elevator door would shut. Yeah, it's like yeah, elevator topics. How about that internet? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you'll be happy to know I just checked, okay. and the word in blessed are the meek, for they uh-huh. shall inherit the earth, is exactly the same word the Septuagint uses here in blessed are the meek, okay. sh- the, but the meek shall inherit the land. He's mm-hmm. actually quoting yeah. the psalm there. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting to me. Both, both in terms of like what, well, that's uh, interesting to me too. The <laughs> radical nature of what people are called to in the, in the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the places where people react so strongly against Jesus' teaching, the Beatitudes. It's like, come on, that's not really to be lived out. That's an ethic that for the kingdom later. It's like, no. And then the meek having the context of the, the marginalized, the, the oppressed, the subjected, those mm-hmm. with absolutely no advocate are the ones who are going to be, bl- that's exactly the same word that is being used here. That's fascinating. Yeah. It I is. don't know what that means, but I think it means something. Well, it's, it's, it's yet another place to go to, to this false dichotomy between, you know, yeah. old and new and that's right. And, and grace yeah. and law and, Jesus and his angry dad. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, everybody changes when they have a kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Unavoidable. 
Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. Okay. So All right, let's do 1 Corinthians because we're chatting away now. We are. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 38 and 42 here's, to 50. Here's where Paul uh, breaks up and has a discussion with himself. This is the big, big finish. Oh. Okay. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Discuss amongst yourself, Paul. Are you a robot? Uh, And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. It's just math. It's math, people. Some manuscripts read duh at this point. (laughs) Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a legend. No, became a (laughs) life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as the man is of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Want to get that right. Mm -hmm. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Please tell us. Thank you. So what I hear you saying, Paul, (laughs) flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's getting to their presuppositions and and uh, using diatribe, which you have a conversation yeah. with yourself, <laughs> sure, or you uh, you give voice to the stupid, can, the stupid. Can you imagine some idiot fool. who thinks that? Yeah. <laughs> give voice to the foolish questions of your opponents, um, and he's asks two questions: How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And he answers those in reverse order. Uh, he spends a little bit of time talking about. Um, the transformation yet continuity between a physical body and a spiritual body, which, mm-hmm. which as we we've talked about uh, last two weeks about this this sense of uh, Corinthian probably underlying problem is lack of concern in the body, the um, dismissiveness of the body, and and uh, the body's not important in this life, or you could say the body's not going to be important in the future. It doesn't matter what we do with our body. There's a host of problems that. Uh, a uh, whole spectrum of problems that people have with their bodies or using their bodies incorrectly or misunderstanding their bodies at Corinth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is having having implica- having uh, reverberations into the body of Christ. It's amazing how much there's dozens and dozens and dozens of times that Paul uses the term body, and then it becomes a crescendo uh, in 15, because he's been heading here the whole letter. Mm-hmm. Um, these people don't know how to live in a body, and he's showing the importance of a body. And in fact, it's not going to be discarded, um, even though it will be transformed. It's a continuity. continuity, yeah. Like yeah. a seed 
a plant doesn't look like a seed. A, a, mm-hmm. a seed, it, it's, it perishes in some fashion, is transformed, but there's continuity. That plant didn't just arrive uh, by itself. It is it's a transformed seed. And uh, he's trying to make this, this... And connected to the seed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, con- yeah, it's continuity. One, one gives birth to another, even though it is a totally a, a, different, uh, a different order of, of, of living thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what he's saying about humanity. And he's going to root that root that in the, his uh, his archetypes of Adam and uh, the second Adam. One is uh, one is the first Adam is very fitting for this kind of life. And the um, there's a little bit of nuance to his argument here that doesn't come quite through in the English. But uh, um, the the second Adam will um, is a uh, where is the language I'm looking for? But it's not the spiritual that is first, verse forty six, but the physical. The first man was was from the earth or fitting for an earthly sort of existence, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Um, and there's a little bit of, little bit of nuance to say, uh, is a, a, an atom fitting for, basically saying the second, the second body is going to be a, a body fitting for spiritual existence. Mm-hmm. As the first body was fitting for uh, earthly existence, uh, the second body will be transformed and be unlike these bodies that you're dismissive of, and yet in continuity with them. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his his argument is getting at their presuppositions, which are uh, fallacious. Okay, of course they're. Ooh, wow, yeah, nice word. Yes, fallacious. Um, they're 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 wrong wrong presuppositions about about bodies that has uh, undermined a lot of their um, their theology. So, yeah, there's a, probably a lot more I could get into about uh, uh, last Adam and. Second Adam and, first, and yeah, second first Adam and second Adam and and how really that's a that's a go to for Paul a lot. I mean he spends mm-hmm. more more time and more methodically about this in in um Romans. in Romans yeah. But mm-hmm. it is um it's something that's not just it's not just tossing it off here. It is something he's it's part of his his thinking and how identification with uh, with that Adam we kind of all naturally have an identification with Adam and his earthly existence because it being his offspring. But how there can be partaken in this uh, this this new Adam, which transformed and has mm-hmm. already undergone that transformation. I, our identification with him uh, ensures or or um, makes real that that's going to happen to us. So it's it's an interesting rhetorical um, reference point in in mm-hmm. a number of Paul's crucial arguments. So he's really having to to sort of walk a line here of making an argument that. You know, resurrection hasn't taken place. It's an actual real thing, mm-hmm. and there's a connection to this body. But then at the same time, don't get all wound up in this body because this body is of this place and the imperishable bodies of the imperishable. So so on the one hand, it's, you know, that there's going to be this new body. There is going to be resurrection. But on the other hand, but don't, there is a physical body. Don't, but don't get too wound up in that physical body because it's not, you know, yeah. so he's trying to sort of balance this argument, yeah. it seems. Yeah. He is. He's. He's always walking walking that line, and it yeah. and it is. He, and he has a different understanding. The biblical understanding is that not that we are souls mm-hmm. that have a body, but we are we are embodied we are souls. souls. We are embodied yeah. souls. You know, mm-hmm. and any kind of sense of uh, ongoing life without a embodied life doesn't make any sense from a biblical right. perspective. Life in its fullness and its goodness is embodied life. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, anything that kind of dismissive of that or is just in t- dealing with nebulous spiritual principles that aren't mm-hmm. embodied, which w- implications for living out in tangible ways, uh, are absurd. <laughs> but uh, Which is why you always point out the Jesus eating at Emmaus and, and eating on the seashore. Right. That, yeah, yeah. That this he's, is em, an embodied, resurrected right. Christ who eats. Right. Yeah. And it's Christ because he's eating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, that's too. Yeah. <laughs> Witness. You see him eat? Had to be Jesus. Witness. Yeah. Okay. That guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's, a, and ghosts don't eat, you know, everybody, yeah, right. exactly. everybody sees ghosts and spirits, but they don't, they don't eat. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is this is not a it, although it's a spiritual body, it's not it's a transformed body. Jesus has a body in his resurrection. Mm-hmm. He is participating it, it still participates in the in the physical realm, but it is a transformed um resurrected body that that is fitting for a, a new sort of life determined by the spirit entirely. Mm-hmm. So that's then there's an element of that that there we're living out that life determined by the spirit uh already beginning. And Paul uses language of first fruits of of Jesus, first fruits of the resurrection, but also giving us the spirit is we have the first fruits of this this kind of other um determinative force in our life that's going to going to truly um mm-hmm. come in its fullness in the resurrected body. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is it is quite the crescendo of um of themes. If this were a symphony, you've heard these things from the from the from the prologue and right, it's really right. coming to a crescendo here in, in fifteen bodily existence. And you can summarize so much of, of Corinthian theology in the problematic nature of it in that they they don't know how to live in a body, and that could be yeah. their own bodies. Themselves or the church. They don't know how to yeah. live with others, uh, and those are intertwined. Yeah. Those problems are intertwined. Yeah. Talked about that last week. Yeah. Yep. Well, good. All right. Man. You ready to... That was well done. That was like in seven minutes. That was, <laughs> that only that took, was impressive. It only took three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks and seven minutes. <laughs> but it does seem that... Uh, Resurrection's important. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, you say. yes. Yeah. What okay. I'm hearing you say, Paul. Yeah, it that's, is. That's what, yes, you fools. It's important. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do Luke. Okay. Because I know you love Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke 6, 27 to 38. But I say to you that, listen... Oh, well, I wonder what other people have said, oh. but we'll just go ahead. No. Um, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, don't withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend. Expect nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. 
I think we've seen that in the Old Testament. Uh, <laughs> be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and put into your lap. I don't know what we're making, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> a, a baker's um, dozen. It does. For the measure you will give will be the measure you will get back. Okay. Well, I always wondered what that, and I've never looked that up. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over seems to be a specific thing. Well, right? it's, it's, this is, the, a lot of this is just drawn from daily life of give and take. And one of those yeah. places would be the market, you know, the, okay. the marketplace. And th there could be a stingy measure, you know, or okay. there's a heaping, you know, a heap, okay. a heap and helping, you know, a as the, helping uh, as the, uh, measure here. Yeah, a heap and helping, as the uh, Beverly Hillbillies uh, sung about. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, heaping helping is what's being talked about here. You know, as okay. much, not as little as reaches the lip and that there you're going to get that, but it's like as much as possibly I can get in this container to give you and, you know, running over, you know, that is okay. that so much of this says, what is the nature of this new community? So last week we we're talking about this very disruptive, um, um, turning the world upside down sort of rhetoric, right? And uh, mm -hmm. which isn't foreign to uh, earlier. Uh, we heard Mary say that, and we're looking mm -hmm. at some stuff in the Old Testament today. You know that mm -hmm. that this is kind of something about God's character, sort of a God thing. Yeah. So you, if you're disrupting the old way of things, the old community, here's some some touch points for the new community characterized by. And most of these are as upside down compared to the normal way of uh, give and take or reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Um, you re reciprocity is how do you share your goods and how do you, what's the attitude you have toward others? And there'd be different realms, uh, generalized reciprocity in a family. You do anything for a family and you don't keep track of don't it. Expect to you keep know, back, right. you don't, uh, give your kids a bill on their 18th birthday for the allowance that you gave them. Uh, you're, that's a good idea though. Let me, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you don't even have a ledger somewhere. In a healthy oh. family, you're probably not keeping track, okay? Oh. It's a different kind of, yes, so you can put that away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you're planning a trip on the eight, your, your younger son's 18th birthday, then that's, that's right. You can, you can not no, that's, forget I mean, about that's, that. Yeah. Listen, that's one okay. way to go, yeah. right? That's what yeah. I'm hearing yeah. you say. Okay. That's one yeah. way to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that in families you don't do that, and in uh, and then in the village you're probably it's very even. You know, it's like uh, I've lent you this, and, and you're darn sure I'm keeping record of that. But I've expect you to give it back to me because I know you're keeping. Mm -hmm. You know that I know. You, I know that you know that I'm keeping record, and it's always like there's this uh, uh, exchange that everybody knows about, and everything has to be equal at the end of the day. Right, and then there's uh, enemies who your your normal predisposition is. I'm going to try to get as much as I can out of them, and they're get they're not going to get much of me, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you're uh, if you're dealing in the marketplace with uh, an outsider, you, mm -hmm. they're not going to get the deal, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, they might get uh, they might get screwed over because that's just how that world works. Uh, and yeah. this is taking all that upside down, taking the outsider, your en not just the outsider, but your enemy, and doing good to them. Um, to to I, I actually have an illustration okay. of this of this happening when mm -hmm. when uh, I was in Jordan, um, I was with my friend uh, there who speaks fluent Arabic. Mm -hmm. Now he is from South Carolina. He's written Arabic textbooks. His Arabic is exceptional. Wow. His his name is Fred. Okay. So you can imagine he looks exactly like his name. You know, okay. he looks like a he looks like a Fred. He looks yeah. like you know your basic American white guy. 
and uh, and we're we're walking, you know, to the market, and and there's one price. At which point, Fred begins speaking in Arabic, and the price drops yes. instantly. Yes, of course. <laughs> at that point, uh, of course. because oh no, wait, you know what? I thought you were a stranger. Turns out you're a villager, mm-hmm. and so you get the villager price yes. because you speak yeah. the same language I do. Yeah, yeah, it happened happened instantly at that point. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. And it it's it's probably true of most human cultures, but it's it's think kind of more overt and on the surface in in, oh, yeah. in these in these cultures and it's tied in with uh, patronal ethics and mm-hmm. uh, someone doing you a favor of a great, a greater person does you a favor. They're expecting things back and, mm-hmm. and, and you better, you know, be hanging out and seeing what favors you could do for them, even though you can't, you know, quite do the same kind of favors. So this whole world of um, getting people into your debt and people keeping mm-hmm. track of favors given and no one ever does a favor, not expecting to get anything back. And those are even in good relations. So Jesus is going, mm-hmm. Uh, beyond the norm, not not just mm-hmm. turning things upside down, but going to the enemy, the person who's, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can expect them to treat you badly, and obviously some good examples of being being treated poorly. The, the mm-hmm. underlying thing here is that this doesn't make any sense, okay? Right. Except for the fact of all these um, verbs in the well, two places where where it's highlighted that it's really all about God and God's character. Uh, if you love your enemies, do good and lend. So those are the three things. Love your enemies, mm-hmm. do good, and give or lend. And those things that he introduced at the beginning are consistently mm-hmm. woven all the way through. In fact, I mm-hmm. assign this, if I'm teaching Luke, I'll assign this passage because I want people to closely analyze it and go, oh, this is so carefully constructed. Mm-hmm. This isn't. Mm-hmm. These aren't just three topics that he tosses off, but they're intricately interwoven in the rest of the mm-hmm. passage. And... But love your enemies, do good, and lend, returning back to those themes which he's just expounded upon. Expecting nothing in return was like, what? Nobody does that in any mm-hmm. of those realms, okay? Your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High. You'll To be a child of someone is to bear their character. Bear yeah. their image. Yeah. yeah. Their character. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Or, we talked about this a couple years ago in Matthew, uh, be perfect uh, as your Father mm-hmm. is uh, perfect. Uh, be complete. Uh, mm-hmm. And he uses in that context, he sends his reign on the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Just because you're bad this, doesn't mean that he's going to change. Okay. This, yeah, that that's a, a great illustration too. Thirty six, merciful. That's that is not the same word as perfect. Um, uh, no, no, it is. Uh, it's different here. Um, and that's interesting. And I don't me. have. I'm trying to bring this up in my text. Let me see if I can bring it up. Um, normally, it comes up naturally. But yeah, it is a. It's not just a different translation. It is, in fact, a, a different yeah. world. What is? What word is it? I wonder if I can get to it first. What verse is it again? Um, thirty-six. Thirty-six. It is. Uh, oh, I did. That's, I'm not used to saying this word. That, can that, I say? He has a good. He has a good uh, thesaurus. Oiktermon. Yeah. Oiktermon. Yeah. So that's. Huh. That's not the typical word for. Mercy. Oh, mercy, I no, that's not Elasmus. Okay, is this is how it is when you begin reading Luke. There's a like, what is that word? Oh, he's a dictionary, isn't he? I mean, he's crazy. He's a thesaurus. Yeah, compassionate. Okay, huh? Uh, compassionate or merciful is the word that is used. It occurs three times in the New Testament. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's a good thing because then it's really driven home. <laughs> Luke and James. Yeah. Huh. I wonder if the oik is something to do with a household. There. That's that's interesting. If, yeah, I was wondering if it was a compound word. Mm-hmm. It is, but 
but in one sense. There's probably some nuance to that I'm missing here. It's from the verb oiktiro. This is, this is the deep cut you get yeah, here, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. You don't get this from another podcast. Be merciful just as your I bet there's a lot more there in terms of household and how you yeah, interact with each other. I Well, I didn't, I didn't have any time for a deep dive in this this week. Um, but what's striking is that and then the, the balance of 37 through 38, there's these, there's these passive verbs, okay? Mm-hmm. And in the, in the New Testament— the passive verb is often, when it's a, a theological point, it's a way of not saying God's name. So it, it takes this convention wow. from the Old Testament into a, a broader context where even though they say God's name, they still practice these conventions of putting things in the passive so you don't have to say God's name. So they've right. taken up these things like, well, why do you guys do that? Well, we don't know. <laughs> We've just always <laughs> done it that way. But it says, right. who's going to reward you? God is going to reward you in this. Um, don't do things expecting a reward because God's going to reward. Don't expect the reward from those people. This new economy that Jesus is laying out doesn't make any sense other unless God's in the equation. And we really do have to see God is in the equation here, that uh, do not mm-hmm. judge and you will not be judged. Well, by whom? By God. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will be put into your lap for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Um, and almost as contradictory as like, no, actually it's going to be, you know, much, much more. Robbed, actually. Yeah. 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 But God's going to, God's going to work this, this, this new economy out. God is, the implication is God is intimately involved in this new economy. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and beyond that, this is a great, uh, um, exposition of God's character. Right. This really struck me because I was reading a devotional couple Sundays ago. Uh, I think it was Super Bowl Sunday. And I was so struck by how um, reading it kind of, it just popped up in some devotional I'm reading. And it's not as though I'm reading through Luke and I'm preparing for it. And I'm going to read it like I normally read it. But it was like, mm-hmm. this is all really rooted in God's character. And God's character is such that he forgives and he doesn't judge and doesn't condemn. Now, that is not always the takeaway that people have of God's character mm-hmm. in either Testament, you know? That's true. Uh, That's true. And it, particularly when we get into theologies of how does God forgive? Well, mm-hmm. he just does forgive. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to have a ledger, or he's not always worried about his honor, or uh, he doesn't just forgive good people. Uh, he forgives good and bad people. It, it, what's I, I was I was so affected by that. I said, and I and my dog. You know, you talked about your uh, your my prairie dog. your prairie dog waking you up early. My dog woke me up early. Sun, a Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know. Maybe he's super excited. And, and it's like, oh, I'm not going to get back to sleep. He wants to get up. So I said, I'm going to have two goals before I get to church. One is to clean the entire house because Aiden's bringing his his friends over for Super Bowl. And I'm going to paraphrase this so people get it the way it strikes me, who's had the leisure and the luxury to study this in the original and in some mm-hmm, depth. Mm-hmm. This this is just screaming about God's character as yeah. as good to all. And God just doesn't change his character to based, uh, based on the person's character. He's mm-hmm. going to be this way toward everyone. God is merciful. God doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. Uh, to do these things is to bear God's character. I think there's something there's something radical and and alarming about this new economy, but I certainly just don't want to miss that this is what the New Testament is saying God is like. 
because yeah. because this new economy is the way in which you learn how to bear God's character. Yeah, that's why yeah. you want to adopt this new economy, not because it's a efficient economy, but because it is the economy yeah. that leads you to understand who God is. This is how. This is what strikes me. That I want to go back and look up this word. Uh, uh, merciful. Tiro. Yeah, yeah, because it's probably saying this is what God's family is like. This is what God's household is like. This yeah, is how people right. act, you know, like when you might say, that's not how we act in this household, you know, if you've ever yeah. heard that from a, a parent. Uh, this this is what, I think this is the missed message, and I can miss that too, is saying there are these places um, throughout the New Testament where saying, here's what God's like, you know, here mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. God is like. And one of those questions we didn't get to from that someone emailed me, uh, what they're asking me is to like, where is there a time that you've destroyed someone's faith? And they said, yeah, because they think they think they, that that's a hobby of yours. I think uh, yeah, or, they, that that happens, or that's how <laughs> some people experience your lectures. And I think I was trying to think about that. I don't really have something that destroys someone's faith. And I think we mm-hmm. kind of approach teaching different. That you're you're very much about the hot button issues that I have. People I who have. grow up in traditions like yours, you know, that that you're really good about touching on all of those and helping people mm-hmm. with those. And I'm, I didn't really grow up in that kind of tradition, but, but the, the, there's a couple of times where I'm teaching John or I'm teaching revelation where I really push the fact that um, we're not going to know God directly somehow when we get to heaven. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we have people creation has forever and presently and forever, eternally in the future, only come to know God through Jesus, okay? Mm-hmm. The Word uh, b- prior to incarnation or um, um, Jesus' revelation of the Father in, in his ministry, it's very much a, a bottom-up theology. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, I know this about God, so that's true about Jesus. It's like, no, mm-hmm. maybe you don't know that much about God, but I know that Jesus is the revelation of God, the truest mm-hmm revelation of God or the, the, uh, the, the, the visible image of the invisible God. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Paul talks about it and John's prologue talks about it and the wall of John and revelation talks about it, that, that it's not going to be this time where we don't know that we know God. Now we know God directly, you know, the mm-hmm. father, you know, we get to heaven, there's going to be God and Jesus and a bird or something, you <laughs> know, <laughs> two guys and a bird, you know? So <laughs> It's not going to be like that. Sorry. Really? Yeah. No. Nope. Because now that's what nope. I want. It's not going to. It's not going to be. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want that until you just. Yeah. Said I now can't that have you it. sent and two now, guys in a bird, I want that. Isn't that strange? That's what I want. Advertising oh. works. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying it's not two guys in a bird in the throne. I don't know. See, there's there's two thrones in in Jewish tradition because of Psalm 110. Yeah. Uh, and so I assume it, it was going to be two guys, and they didn't mention no, a bird. Nothing cage, about a bird. Okay, but maybe you know I'll go back and read Psalm one ten again. There might be room for bird interpretation. Yeah. Well, actually, but, I'm going to uh, teach one of the points where I get this when I push it is the throne room scene. The throne room in yeah. in in Revelation, where where one chapter is devoted to God. It's very much kind of a let's. Let's recap everything we know about the Jewish tradition on monotheism. You can say that's mm-hmm. that is so the vision of John, the throne in John, uh, Revelation four. Uh, four, yeah, yeah, and th- the throne of God. The the throne is the central theological image of God in mm-hmm. in um, in Revelation, and the Lamb is the central Christological image. The Lamb that's slain and is now uh, standing, who is risen. So. And then in five, after the lamb is introduced, he's on the throne. Okay, mm-hmm. so you need to understand that 
what is that saying? It's like, get, da- get, get down off of there. It's not like my dog, you know, get, <laughs> get down, get down off there, bad boy. Okay, boy, you just turn yeah. your head and the lamb yeah. jumps up on the yeah. get Come on. God's going to, God's going to get back in a second and see that. Yeah. <laughs> now that's saying the fullest revelation of God's character always comes through the lamb. It comes through the slain lamb. And it, actually the fullest understanding of God's character comes through the cruciform. You know, the, the God, mm-hmm. God is somehow revealed in the cross. And his, his, his character can't be really understood short of that. But there's different places where I pu- push people to go, you really are working with some sort of uh, uh, grade school sort of understanding of what you're going to expect or what you think God is like. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it always diminishes Jesus and his revelation of God, God's character somehow and, and, mm-hmm. and Jesus' cross somehow. And that, that's where I really push people and disabuse them. And people have a hard time with that. But it's yeah. so valuable to... To stop and go, oh yeah, that's not going to be two guys in a bird. <laughs> what you're sharing is even better. <laughs> well, I I gotta give you points for being able to work both the New Testament and the Old Testament into a Revelation conversation. That was yeah. that was uh, yeah. that was well done. You got the Psalm and yeah. Luke into Revelation. It's all about you did me. It. It's all about me and what I'm teaching this semester. Well yeah. Uh, actually, you, be, you were able to do it and make it all about God. That's yeah. actually pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I'm pointing. So. I'm pointing upward. You're pointing upward. Just That's look at the ju- me on the jumbotron pointing upward. <laughs> yeah, it's not about me. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> oh well. I'm coming uh, back to the fun. heart of worship, <laughs> and it's all about <laughs> me, me worshiping you, Lord. <laughs> me, 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 uh, swarming up uh, here. Me, me, see, me, we don't, me. We don't sing a lot of those songs in my church. We we're still more of a hymn book church here. So so, so are we. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we we sing we sing hymns and African songs. <laughs> we completely right. skip anything contemporary. Oh, okay, well I have to share Spanish this Spanish and African fun. songs. I'm doing this. I'm doing this series. I mean, we're going long, but hey, people are still listening. <laughs> Um, Are they? I I don't know. Yeah, if anyone <laughs> anyone has to leave, we're going to keep talking. But if you have to leave for an appointment, <laughs> if you have to leave. Point, it's okay. You can go. Um, I'm I'm in the middle of this sermon series on worship, where I'm taking some time each week and and focusing on the elements that have found our way into the liturgy that we use here at our church. And so, mm-hmm. you know, music and offering and prayer and prelude and um, scripture reading and proclamation and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so, um, this last week. I uh, was doing uh, music. Uh-huh. Pra- praise is what I basically call the theme. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, although I usually do preach from the lectionary, and I did use Isaiah 6, this past week I used Psalm 150. Okay. Um, and and we said before on the podcast that Psalm 150 is unique in the Psalter because it doesn't have a reason to praise God. You just praise God. Uh-huh. There's not for anything he's done for you. Not for anything you get back, not by just mm-hmm. you just praise God because God's worthy of praise. It's mm-hmm. it's completely disinterested. And so I I asked our music minister, I said, you know, maybe we could find a hymn that we have that might actually have that level of disinterested praise. That might be nice. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying we have to, because I get, you know, praise God for all the great things he's done for us is more popular, but but maybe we can find something. Mm-hmm. And and so he said, well, here's one on this page, and I look at it, and it's this great African song. I said, yeah, that's really good. And it's like, here's another one. Yeah, that one's also African, uh, interestingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> so it's like, apparently as Americans, we have a hard time writing songs that focus on not what we get out of it, but in Africa, that's easier. So yeah. Um, yeah. We can take a moment to sociologically analyze that mm-hmm. if we'd like, mm-hmm. but I, I think that it's interesting that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. selfless, disinterested worship is easier for other people, and what we get out of it is, <laughs> yeah. seems yeah. to be 
uh, theme. We'll go to Africa for other that. Other cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but we did find an American one uh, for the invitation, which was nice. That's yeah. very interesting. But it was hard. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was hard. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, when we were when, on Super Bowl Sunday, we were actually in. All right, in you Sun- know what? I'm gonna, I, I let it go four times, but you brought <laughs> the Super Bowl again. Two, two weeks ago. Was it two weeks? <laughs> no. Jeez. Um, we were in our Sunday school class. We were looking at a couple of uh, videos on altruistic love. Okay. Right. And there was this one guy, one of them was a TED Talk, and this guy's talking about it from a scientific perspective. And he was talking about um, there, there's something actually in our genes that, that um, it's, it's just so funny to hear people talk about it from a genetic angle, that, that our genes want us to do altruistic things because actually it's going to be good for us in the end. <laughs> so he's talking about similar things on the morning that I had just read, you know, this passage, yeah, this. it was just gobs, godsmacked by gobsmacked by, uh, or God's and godsmacked either by, <laughs> by God's character. And that he was saying in the end, you know, uh, uh, it's really is, does come out good. So it's like, it's playing the long game or something That's like right. that. God, God's playing the long game too. This is all, and, I mean, and, you know, he's got, he was he's got purely it. using science. And then at the end he used something about, and that's how we go about God's work. It just didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> and I was, everyone really liked the, the video. And I was like, let me just tell you about my morning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, uh, yeah. th- this is, we do these things from Jesus says we do these things because this is God's character. And yeah. we are in his household, or family, or children. Yeah, that's that's great. It's yeah, it's so so easy. There's so much bad press about God that you got to pause and when you say, <laughs> "Here's what God's really like." You're telling me I'm an old testament. Yes, professor. I know. I, I mean, know. Geez. It's an easy audience. Oh man! All but, right. Uh, well, this has been. You know, I've noticed we do tend to go long when you get on Revelation. I, I don't. I'm not <laughs> Sorry. calling any names or anything, but uh, well, I'm just saying. I don't I know how much time we have. If the Lord tarries, I would. I would. <laughs> I would spread it out over more weeks. But according to my well, latest theories, <laughs> sure. Well, thanks. For, better hurry up and wrap this up yeah. because folks got places to be. Yep. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Uh, shoot us an email with an overly complicated question that mm-hmm. Mike can analyze. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we will certainly do that. But okay. have a great week. Have a great week. Blessings. <laughs>